beautiful family! Hey, it's great to see y'all today, and I titled my message this morning, Game of Thrones. And right at the very beginning of this message, I need to tell you that I know there is a wide, wildly popular TV show called Game of Thrones. I've never seen it. I know lots of people that watch it and love it. So this is not an endorsement for everybody to go watch that show. Okay, I have no idea. I've never seen it. And it's really interesting. Yeah, I've told you this before that I do a preaching calendar for the whole year. And so I lay out, you know, I take a lot of time to pray about what it is that I'm going to be speaking on week after week, and um, it ends up changing throughout the year at different times. But when I, when I put that this message was going to be uh, this Sunday, a, f- a few people were like, did you know the premiere was a couple weeks ago? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't even watch that show. So, so um, I, I came this morning, family, to talk to you, not about a TV show, but to talk to you about your life and how you're living your life. And so I want you to know that there is a very real battle, a very real fight for your life and for my life. And so I want to ask you today, who or what is on the throne of your life? Because there can be times, family, where even with good motives, even with good intentions, that we end up putting someone on this throne and pushing out the person that should be on this throne. Oftentimes, and you've heard me say this before, oftentimes a lot of women, they get married and they they end up putting their husband on the throne of their life. Ladies, don't do it. And, and, and rarely, I, I've seen men do the same thing. It's like, well, well, I just, I just, live, I, I, I just want, want her to be happy. I just, and there's nothing wrong with that but that can get out of balance. Oftentimes, and those of us who are raising kids, parents, you know this to be true, don't you? There are times that we put our kids on the throne, amen? We do, or our grandkids. Maybe for you, what's on the throne of your life is your career. It's like, you know what? Yes, I'm gonna be number one, I'm gonna make the, you know. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals and having aspirations. But today I want you to focus on, in this battle of control, in this battle of dominion for your life, who is on the throne? So often we end up making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it's like, you know what? I get to do whatever I want. I have a right to live however I want to live. And we end up just over and over and over making the same mistakes. I want you to know, family, that you and I have a very real enemy. And I don't know when when you read the Bible or you hear someone speak about Satan or the devil, if you get this idea in your mind of this little guy who's red with a a pitchfork, you know, and and like I want you to know the Bible is very clear that our enemy is, he's not to be messed around with. But I want you to know the Bible is very clear and can I get an amen on this? He is defeated! Yes. He's nothing to play around with. And his whole goal in life is to take as many people to hell with him as he can. And so I didn't even come today 
to talk to you necessarily about your enemy, but I want to talk to you about one of his number one tools in his toolbox that he uses. And that is to get you and I to think that we are in control, that we're the masters of our own domain, and that really the best thing for you and I to do is for us to sit here on the throne. I'm in control. I'm in charge. This is a pretty big throne, isn't it? It's like, I look like a five-year-old sitting in this thing. My feet touch the ground, though, so I'm good. I'm good. This is his number one strategy, family. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to just do me. And right before we jump into the notes, I want to illustrate this for you. I want you to have a visual for the whole rest of this week of exactly what I'm talking about. So can we give a very warm welcome, a warm GT welcome to Jesus? Let's welcome Jesus today. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no. All right, so for illustration purposes, will you? But he's actually not Jesus, but you guys know he's a ninja, right? He like seriously is a ninja. Like I wouldn't mess with this dude. I'm glad this dude is on my side. So here's what we do. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we get saved, the idea is we get up off of the throne and we say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. This is what it should look like. This is what our lives should look like, you guys. But far too often, what we do is this. Okay, Jesus, get up. I, I got this. Get up and go, 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 go over here. Go over here. I got this. I got this. Okay, okay, I don't got it, I don't, okay, Jesus, you, you, you sit back down, you sit back down. <sighs> okay, I'm good, get up, Jesus, okay, you get up and come back over here, come back over here, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, Jesus. <sighs> yep, I'm great, I'm great, yep, I'm a, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you sit back down, you sit back down, Jesus, you sit back down. Yeah. And we play this game. Yeah. We play this game. Okay. Or it's like, get up, get up, Jesus, no, come on, Jesus, and he won't. He won't fight us. He won't put up a struggle. He won't say, no, I will be here. But far too often, family, far too often, and if we're going to be honest today, and we're at church, so let's be honest, this is actually more of how we live our lives. Over here, Jesus. Now look, I want you to know that I need you close. Like, I got this, okay? I got, but I want you close, okay? I want you right here, because there are times I get my rear end in trouble. So Jesus, I want you to be close, but, but I got this, okay? So you just stand by just in case I run into any problems or, or have any issues. That I want to know you're close, but, but I got this. I got, isn't that how we do it, you guys? Yeah. Isn't that how we do it? Thank you, Ninja Rick. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Let's give him a hand. Yeah, he's a... He's such a good guy. You know, he's the pastor over our, our family, and he did, does our, our pastoral care, hospital visits, and different things like that. Just a terrific guy. That's often what it looks like, you guys. We play this game of who's on the throne of our lives, and it's not a game. 
And so it's my desire and it's my prayer today that you will agree with this message, that you will understand that the best way for you and me to live is to understand our place. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to know your place, baby. You need to know your place. And our place is to understand that our life was bought with much too high a price. That Jesus needs to be on the throne of our lives. So let's look at a few things today. First and foremost, family, James, the brother of Jesus. This is Jesus' brother. Can you imagine your older brother being like the savior of the world? You know what I mean? My older brothers thought they were the savior of the world sometimes, but yeah, yeah. I had to set them straight. I had to set, um, anyway, but uh, Jesus' brother, James, is doing some powerful teaching, and the book of James is so good, you guys. It's like this practical guide for how to live the Christian life. And James does some powerful teaching in chapter four and he's launching in and he starts talking about what causes fights among us. When you go into churches, when you look at Christians, what causes Christians to scrap? And so he does some teaching on that and, and then he starts going into how you and I have no right to judge anybody. Can I get an amen? amen. And then he wraps up chapter four giving us a picture of how we should live our lives. Back in the day, people would travel around with their wares on the backs of camels and on the backs of donkeys and go from town to town selling stuff to make a living. And James said, for believers, that should look different. Look at how he says, we should live our life and how our calendars should look. Look at this family. He says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Think about it family. What is your life? James says, for you are a mist that appears for a very little time and then vanishes. Instead, if you were smart, followers of Jesus Christ, if you're wise, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James says so often, um, I have control of the TV, so please don't touch it. Please don't touch it. So often, James says, well, we do, uh, you guys hear me talk about the TV a lot, don't you? It's like, don't touch my TV. Don't touch my it's, it's like every dad, every dad at home, right? Don't touch my remote. Don't touch my remote. But what James is doing, James, he, he, he's really advising us. He's like, Christians, believers, if you're smart, you won't launch off in one direction or another and say, oh yeah, I get to decide whatever it is I'm gonna do with my life. It's my life. Hello, I'm grown and I get to do whatever I want. He said, if you're a smart Christian, you'll realize that you don't know what tomorrow holds. So how can you make all of these grand lofty plans for next year when you don't even know what the next minute holds? He said, believer, 
Believer, if you're smart, what you'll do before you launch out into anything new or before you make any kind of huge decisions or before you say, this is what I'm going to do next year, that you'll always pause and say, wait a minute, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. My life belongs to you. And so anything, every decision that I make should ultimately point me and point everybody around me to Jesus. And so I'm not going to jump out and say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to realize that our plans are as foolishness to God. And instead of me stepping out and just saying, I get to do whatever I want with my life. If we're wise, our heart, the motivation in us will always be God. Man, this looks cool. This looks like something that would be awesome to do. Man, she, I think she'd be cool to date. Man, I wonder, this would be a cool job that we would always pump the brakes and just say, God, what is it that I should do? Man, this looks good, God. I, several years ago, I had an opportunity to work at ADM for an ungodly amount of money, you guys. Like, blew my mind, the money. And everything went good. All the interviews, all the interviews were smoothly going, and they weren't really interviews from the beginning. They're like, now when you get here, Pastor Matt, when, when you start working here, Pastor Matt, and it all looked good, and the money looked phenomenal. <laughs> and, it, and as I prayed, I... I just clearly heard the Lord say, it's not it. But God, it makes sense. And the money's really good, God. But no, no, my life is not my own. My life belongs to you, God. And so I want to encourage you right here at the beginning of this message, point number one, my beautiful family. We need to what? Not fight, not hold up. We need to submit our plans to the purpose of God. Because our plans change with the wind, don't they? Like, I feel like doing this today. Eh, I don't feel like doing that today. We need to submit our plans to the purpose of God. The author, the writer of the story of our lives. We need to always say, wait a minute, God. Not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus have me do? would you have me do, Jesus? I want to talk to you about another example. How many of you are familiar with Jonah? Right, right, Jonah in the Bible, Jonah. You know, what do you know about Jonah? That God created this big old huge well and Jonah got swallowed up by a fish, right? And was in, the, in a fish's stanky old fish's belly for three days. So here's why. God told Jonah, he was like the people of Nineveh, the people of the town of Nineveh, their sin is like a stench in my nostrils. Like they're doing some gross, disgusting stuff. And I want you to go, and I want you to tell them, if they don't stop, I'm going to destroy their city. And so God's like, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go warn them, go tell them. And Jonah said, uh-uh, nope, no. God's like, dude. So I want you to go, I'm, the, the, their sin is, is disgusting me. I want you to go and I want you to warn them if they don't stop, I'm gonna destroy their sin. Uh-uh, nope, 
No. And how many of you know, you don't say no to the one who can answer the question, you and what army, right? You don't, you don't say no to the, the one who created every. And so he said no and tried to run away from God and God like created the fish and swallowed him up. And then Jonah was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And Jonah went to the people of Nineveh and he said, stop sinning or God's going to destroy your city. And they listened to him. They were like, okay. And they, they, they called a fast and they sat in sackcloth and ashes. That was a sign that they were sorry for their sins. Listen, before we go any further, I want to make sure you understand one thing very, very clearly. I've heard people say, how can a loving God do that? How can a loving God destroy a city? How can, and I, I, I always say to those people, look, you need to get more into the Bible. Because all throughout the Bible, God consistently does this. He always gives warning before destruction. It is not, God is not on some power trip and just looking to destroy people. What God is always looking for, family, is real repentance. Amen. That's good. And so all throughout the Bible, God gives warning. He's not looking to destroy people. He's looking for people that when they're confronted with their sin, that they'll submit. That they'll yield to a loving God. And so Jonah went and the people were like, okay, we hear you, man. And that made Jonah mad. Jonah's like, I knew it. I knew that as soon as I went to, he was mad because it's like they don't deserve to be saved. And so I knew when I told him and God didn't like that. God didn't like that. But what I want you to focus on, and maybe you've never heard this in the story of Jonah before, is some of the people, when they heard that God's going to destroy your city if you, if you don't stop, some of the people started fasting and, and repenting. But what do you imagine? You, you know back then, the regions, they were ruled by kings. And so what do you imagine the king's response was to, oh, God's going to destroy your city. If you, you know, I'm the king. I get to say what happens here. And what, look at how the king of Nineveh responded to Jonah's messages. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And what did he do, family? He arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth. That was like a cloth that was made from goat hair, you guys. Ultra uncomfortable and sticky, you know that, horrible. Sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation, I don't want you to miss this, and published through Nineveh, by decree of the king, the one who gets to say, Maybe you're all not fasting, but trust me, I have the power to make you all fast. And from this moment on, every human being, every animal, we're all fasting. Uh, the king decreed to the nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth and Call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And here's a king that we have no indication that he even knows who God is, that we, he has no relationship with God that we know of. He hears the warning and he's like, who knows? Everybody's fasting. 
Every animal and every human being is fasting. And who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, see this family, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. The king had all power and all authority and could have been like, Jonah, you're crazy. We're not listening to you. Get up. But the king got up off of his throne, surrendered his authority, and put out a proclamation that maybe you've heard this little guy running around town saying destruction is coming, and maybe you're already fasting, but in case you're not, it will be now against the law if you don't. Everybody is fasting. And who knows? Maybe God won't destroy us. I want you to think about the people that are under your influence in your life. I wonder how many people in your life, if they saw you living a submitted and surrendered life before God, you could actually rescue them from making some of the mistakes that you've made in your life. What about your kids and your grandkids? When they look at you and see your relationship with God, what do they see? Is it more of kind of like a hit and miss kind of thing? Or do they see you really broken before the Lord? When they think about your walk with Jesus, is it sometimes on and sometimes off? When they see you, is it like, oh man, he, he or she's really on fire for the Lord today. And then next month it's like, eh, what? Family, I want you to know this king is giving us a powerful illustration that the people around us, the people that we have influence over, hear your pastor this morning, they need to on a daily basis see us getting up off of this throne. They need to see us. Oh, no, trust me. I'm smart enough to know that even on my best day, I can't. No, Jesus is running the show in my life. But, and the reason that's so important, and I believe this with every fiber of my being family, it happened in the word of God, and I believe it happens in our life. Number two, our surrendered life can save the lives of people around us. Our surrendered life can actually save the lives of people that you know. Them seeing you, man, here's a great business opportunity. I'm taking it. Shoot, it's a lot of money. Them seeing you, you know what? I'm not, I'm not chasing after money. My life is not dictated after money. We're going to take some time and we're going to get on our face and we're going to pray. God, what should we do? Man, she's hot. Oh, I'm going after that. I'm going after it. No. no. God, my life, my body 
is yours. What would you, your surrendered life, people seeing how you honor God in your day in and day out situations can point people to Jesus and actually rescue them from ruining their lives. It's a lot of responsibility, family. It's a lot. But you could save people that you love from making terrible decisions. And even people that you work with and people that, that you live by, them seeing your kindness and them seeing your level of surrender can actually save their lives. It's a huge responsibility. Finally, family. Jesus will not fight to be Lord of our lives. Sometimes I wish he would. Sometimes I wish he would just say, you know what, I'm stripping you of your free will. I'm just making you all mindless robots that just follow me and obey. You know what, I've had enough. Sometimes I wish he would. Um, but Jesus won't do that. He won't fight to be on the throne of our lives. And there was one day Jesus was doing some teaching before his crucifixion. And he said, disciples, he said to his boys, he said to the people that were following him, who do people say that I am? Like when you're out and about and you hear people talking about me, who do they say that I am? Because I know people probably think I'm crazy. People probably think I'm a heretic. And people, so he's like, when you're out and about, who do you hear people? What do you hear them saying about me? Like, well, some say you're this, and some say you're that. And, say, and then Jesus got right to the heart of the matter. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Okay, so forget them. Those don't know me. And those don't, like, like, I want to know today, Kay, who do you say that I am? Ron, I want to I hear you say. They don't know me. They're not followers yet. But you're a follower. Who do you say that I am? And Peter was like, you are, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. And Jesus was like, way to go, Pete. Way to go. Peter got it right. And then Jesus said something to them and said something to all of us. about this. It's powerful, family. And you've heard it before, maybe, but I want you to let it get in you today. Jesus says in Matthew, he said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would chase after me, if anyone would want to be a part of my kingdom that is to come, if anybody Come after me. Help me say it in yellow today, my family. What's it say? Let him. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, and this might not make sense when you just read it, right? For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or 
What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels, not in a manger, not as a baby. The Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Jesus says, if you want to be mine, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to call yourself a follower of mine, then what you must do is you must walk every moment of your life like you are on death row. And if you've checked out maybe back then, I want you to check back in just for these last few moments, okay? Jesus says you must live every moment like you're on death row. Back in the day when people carried their cross to crucifixion, there was no chance for mercy. There was no chance that the king would suddenly say, oh, you know what, we're going to pardon you. You were done. And what Jesus is talking about here is this, my family. If you want to come after me, then you've got to deny yourself. And what's he talking about here? Hear me, please. He is not talking about self-denial because self-denial is like a diet. You know what I mean? Self-denial is like, all right, I'm not going to eat carbs for the next 12 weeks and everybody groaned, you know, right? It's like, what? Or, you know what, I'm going to fast Facebook. or I'm gonna, It's for a short period of time. It's usually to accomplish something. That's self-denial. But denying oneself speaks of a lifestyle and a lifetime of not making it all about you. Of carrying your cross every day. Willingly giving your life away to Jesus. Jesus says, if you will do this, if you will not make everything all about you, if you will make it that it's God others than me, and you will humble yourself, what will happen is you will have direct access to the abundant life that I promised you, and you will have life everlasting when you close your eyes here. If you live in a way where every day you are giving your life away to me, I will make sure that you live a life so full of purpose and so full of meaning and so full of impact on others. If you give your life away, I will give you the life that you never even dreamed of. But if you try to hold on to it, and I get to do, I'm grown. I get to do whatever it is that I want. Jesus says you'll actually lose your life when you live that way. And so I've been kind of nice to you this morning. Kind of easy, haven't I? Come on, come on, I've been kind of easy with you. Easy with you this morning. But I gotta tell you, 
my beautiful family. Number three, get off the throne. Turn to your neighbor and don't be nice. Don't be nice. Turn to your neighbor and say, get off the throne. Get off the throne so that you can really live. I want you, I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive. And so get off the throne. Stop, stop trying to do it on your own. Hear your pastor this morning. Stop trying to please people. Stop it. Stop living your life for the approval of people because people will like you one second and then turn on you the next. Your life is way too valuable for that. Stop trying to please everybody around you. You're better than that. God has a higher purpose for you than that. Stop it. Hear me this morning. Stop letting fear ruin Get fear off of that throne and let Jesus rule and reign in perfect peace in your life. Get off the throne. Stop this tug of war. Yeah, but I'm afraid. And man, if, that, if, if I really submit, then that means I'm really in this Christian thing. Get in this Christian thing. Because it's the way to live. It's the way to the life that really want so I come back to this question my beautiful family hey and if you see me keep doing this I forgot to put my pet pants or my belt on so sometimes I keep losing my britches so if you see me keep <laughs> like what's he doing what's he I forgot to put a belt on this morning I forgot. hear me this morning my beautiful family who's on the throne Who's really on the throne? No, no Christian games. No, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living the life, brother. Oh, I'm on top, sister. Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Who's really on the throne of your life? And guess what? Your life will show it, won't it? The, your, your, your life will show who's really on the throne. And I want you, I want you to live the best life that God has for you. And so the best advice that I can give you for your best life now is get up off of the throne and let God be God. He knows the plans that he has for you. They are to prosper you and not to harm you. They are to give you a hope and a beautiful, gorgeous future in Him. It's not His will, it's not His plan that you go from struggle to struggle. It's not His plan that you keep going around the same mountain over and over and over again. You have the authority in Jesus' name to tell that mountain to be thrown into the midst of the sea. If you're willing to just, here's my life, Jesus. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all to Him. I freely give. Take it all, Jesus. It's not just this idea. 
take my sin, Jesus, and I got everything else. Take my sin, and I'll take care of everything else, Jesus. Jesus, the stuff that I'm foolish enough to think that I can control, and the stuff that I can't control, I want you to have. No, Jesus, take it all. Take it all. Will you bow your heads with me this morning, my beautiful family? God, thank you for the power of your word. It transforms us. If we will surrender, if we resist it and if we try to make excuses and if we, but God, if, if we'll surrender to your word, it will shape us and we will live the life that you have designed for us, God. Not my will, but your will be done. That's the desire of our hearts, God. That's our hearts cry. Not my will, but your will be done. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today or you're watching at home and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe there was a time that you were following him, but you got mad at somebody or you got hurt in some way. I want to give you an opportunity today to get up off the throne and start living the abundant life that Jesus promised you. And so I want to give you an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite you to say this prayer after me. This is you praying a prayer of faith to follow Jesus. Would you say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask you now to come into my life. Take away the guilt. Take away the shame. All the regrets, Jesus. Be my Lord. Get on the throne, Jesus, and I will follow you. I won't resist you. I won't fight you. I surrender all in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with people today, family, that gave their lives to Jesus? Yes, yes, yes. And what I want you to do is I want you to text heaven to 41411. We've got Jason and Brittany, some people that are going to partner with you in your new journey of faith with Jesus Christ. We're so excited for you. Family, if you'll stand on your feet today, thank you so much for coming. Who is on the throne in your life for all the rest of this week, family? I want you to be asking yourselves that question. As you're interacting with your family and interacting with your friends, I want you this question to come back to your mind. Who is on the throne? Am I reflecting Jesus? Am I pointing people to Jesus? I love you from the bottom of my heart. You're the best. See you next Sunday.